Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, we'll be back in uh, Matthew chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 33 through 37 here tonight. And we're going to be talking about the importance of our follow-through as God's people. So when it comes to a business, um, good branding is an important aspect of its success. You know, generally speaking, a business will have some type of a mission statement or some type of a slogan of sorts um, that kind of uh, represents their product that they're selling. And and generally speaking, they work pretty good because most people um, recognize a product more by their slogan um, than anything else. And uh, to prove that, I'm going to throw a few of these out. And this is kind of a me throw something out and you guys respond. So this this won't work very good if nobody says anything, right? So this is how this is going to work. So if I were to say... Melt in your mouth and not in your hand. What will we be talking about? M&M's, that's right. How about this one? Can you hear me now? Good. What is it? Verizon. All right, good deal. How about just do it? Nike, we got that one. How about this one? There are some things money can't buy, but for everything else, there's MasterCard. You got it. Um, The quicker picker-upper. Bounty. How about this? Bet you can't eat just one. Lay's potato chips. Yep. I'm loving it. McDonald's. You got it. How about uh, Snap, Crackle, Pop? Rice Krispies. Or how about this one? What's in your wallet? Capital. I mean, you guys are good. And you proved my point. A catchy phrase, well, it it brings kind of recognition to whatever the product that a company is selling, and and it just works really, really good. But even more important than a catchy phrase is the follow-through of the company, that they actually do um, whatever it is they say they're going to do, right? Now, I was thinking about some, like, say, uh, freight companies, for instance, like FedEx, their slogan is, the world on time. Or UPS says customer first, people led, and innovation driven, right? And on my personal favorite, and it is Old Dominion Freight Lines, helping the world keep promises. Pretty good, right? Now, how effective would that be if they never showed up on time? Not very. How long would they be in business if they never showed up on time? Not very. Slogan wouldn't work very good, right? Well, how about this one? Like a good neighbor. State Farm is there, right? See, slogans work. Would they be in business if they never ever took care of you when you had a car accident or hail beat up your roof or whatever? They, they are a good company because they actually do what they say. Or, or how about this one? Finger looking good. KFC. Now, if KFC, every time you went there, tasted like garbage, there was just nothing but a greasy mess, and, would you ever, and you wouldn't go back, but would, would they be able to use that slogan and actually stay open as a company? No, right? Or have it your way, Burger King, right? Um, if uh, you went and said, I want something with no pickles on it, they piled it with pickles every time you went in there, it'd probably make you mad and you wouldn't go back. Anyways, the point of this little uh, thing here is to say when it comes to business, who they claim to be is important, but actually following through on whatever the promise they are making um, is key to their success. Any business that does not follow through on what it advertises will not be in business for very long. For instance, if, uh, if uh, Crossroads Repair claimed that uh, they're going to do good service, quick service, and your truck's going to run, but every time they left the building, it broke down halfway down the road, my guess is Doug wouldn't be in business for very long. And so it's important that uh, service is done 
correctly. Follow-through is important. Why? Because it builds trust. It gives credibility to what's being said. It gives representation to the claims that are being made. And follow-through tells people that they can believe that what is being advertised is actually true. Now, this is important, obviously, when it comes to business, and this is also so important when it comes to our Christian lives, because who knows that we represent a, a I guess you could call it a company as well, uh, a heavenly company, a heavenly kingdom where God is the CEO, where God is king, and we as his people are his representatives, right? And how we represent in our life will have a great impact on how the watching world views our Heavenly Father. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. So let's go ahead and read our text, and we'll ask God's blessing on it, and then we'll get into it. So starting in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 5, it says this, You have also heard that our ancestors were told, You must not break your oaths. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. Do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Well, maybe these days. But uh, anyways, just kidding. Just, just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time in your word. I pray, God, that you would just uh, bless this time in your word, that you would bl- just bless our ears that we can hear, Father, bless our minds that we can receive, God, what it is you have for us. And I pray, God, tonight that you would speak, Lord, that, uh, um, Lord, Jesus gave this lesson for a reason, and I believe, still believe it is so applicable for our, for our lives today. And I just pray, God, that you would just speak to hearts, that we would leave this place changed, um, looking more like Christ than when we came in. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we submit ourselves to you in this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you remember, um, we've been going through what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, which is essentially a collection of teachings um, that Jesus gave to a large group of followers that gather on a mountainside in northern Israel next to the Sea of Galilee. And we've, been, we've talked about a number of things, but today we're going to be talking um, about uh, an issue that Jesus addressed here involving oath-taking or vows made to people, the idea that um, commits, commitments that were given by a person or persons where they would swear something um, to back their word, essentially, is kind of what we're talking about here tonight, and then we'll make some application on it a little bit later. But notice verse 33, where Jesus says, you've heard it said, you must not break your vows, you must carry out your vows made to the Lord. And so the idea of what Jesus was dealing with here was um, when a deal was made or um, there was uh, some thing that was going on where truth needed to be told, it was kind of like they were saying, I swear by God's name that this is true. I swear by God's name that I will do this or that, right? So this is kind of what Jesus is addressing in this particular passage. Now, where did this come from? This is really, really has to do with one of the Ten Commandments in a lot of ways, which was um, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7 that says that we should not take the Lord God's name in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, most of the time when Christians think of that verse, they think of using God's name as a cuss word, right? I mean, that, that type of a thing. Um, but, but really in context, it's talking about 
oath-making where we're using God's name flippantly, where we're using God's name to, to get something we want and we really have no intention of following through on that, right? Um, another passage of Scripture that talks about this was Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 12 where it says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, says the Lord, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Um, Numbers chapter 30 and verse 2 also speaks of this where he says, um, If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And another one in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 and 23 says this, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it will be a sin to you. That which has gone from your lips you shall keep and perform, for you voluntarily vow to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. So, in the, the day that this was written, in Jesus' day when he was speaking to these people, a common practice when it came to like people's personal dealings or business dealings between people, they would make these oaths or vows, and for collateral, they would, they would swear by something important, if you will, to kind of seal the deal. It said that people would swear by the temple, people would swear by the altar in the temple, or even the sacrifice on the altar in the temple. If you, if you look down at verse 34 through 36, they would swear by heaven, they would swear by the earth, they would swear by Jerusalem, they would even swear by their own heads, pretty much anything other than the name of God they would swear by. Because it, Why would they do this? Because it kind of put weight on their words if you will. Um, the, the Jews were very spiritual people, so when they would swear by one of these things that people in their culture saw as important um, to, to, to make a deal with somebody or to, when they're dealing with somebody, it was considered to kind of be a serious thing. And so if you can bring this back to kind of like modern day, maybe you've heard somebody say something like, I swear in a stack of Bibles, it's true. You ever heard that? Or I'd stake my life on it, or honest to God, I swear to God, it's true. This is kind of what it's dealing with here. Now, why do people say stuff like that? People say stuff like that to convince people that what they're saying or what they are, are committing to is something they're actually going to do. But have you noticed, generally speaking, that people who say that, there's one of two things that are generally true. One, what they're saying is so outlandish that uh, you're just like, oh, I swear, I swear, it's true, right? Or they're people that have totally lost credibility because they're a bunch of liars, and they want you to believe them this time that they're actually going to follow through. Generally speaking, even when we hear that today, that's kind of what we see most of the time, right? Um, and this is kind of what was true in Jesus' day as well. See, um, making a commitment to people works out great as long as people have integrity and actually are being truthful to what they're committing to do. However, what was going on at this particular time was this. When they would make an oath or a vow with someone, they would swear by other things that seemed important in their mind, or, but it was less than swearing on God himself. And essentially what they were doing was this. They were giving themselves an out. Because in their minds, the law said, only if you, like all those verses I read, it's only if we make a commitment to the Lord or use the Lord's name, then we're bound to these oaths. And so what they would do is swear by everything else connected to the Lord, but not swear in the Lord's name himself. And essentially what it was, was it gave them a way to weasel themselves out of whatever commitment it was that they were making, or if they weren't telling a full truth, was kind of the idea. 
As one commentator said, the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day had twisted the law. You should not take the Lord's God's name in vain to permit taking virtually every other name or any other thing in a false oath, and they could be excused from it. And so these people were being intentionally deceitful and not following through on their commitments, which was obviously wrong, and Jesus uh, wanted to make sure that they understood that this was obviously wrong. So we get down to verse 34, and Jesus said, but I say, don't make any vows. Now, it's a pretty straightforward statement, but a question we still should ask is, is that really what Jesus meant? That he's saying that vows are essentially sinful, vows are absolutely wrong, and under no circumstances we should never make any type of a vow or an oath in our lives. Um, I don't think, in fact, I'm positive that is not what Jesus is actually saying here. For instance, is it wrong to take a marriage vow? Well, no. We talked about that last week. It's a serious oath, right, that we take between us and our spouse before God, and, and obviously that's a good thing. Is it wrong that we have contracts or oaths that we make to places of employment or whatever? Well, no. I mean, these things are they, they're, they're kind of necessary in our culture, um, and these things are not sinful in themselves. In fact, even God has made vows, and so if it was sin, certainly God wouldn't do it, right? But I mean, in the Old Testament, God made vows with Abraham, with Jacob, with Moses, with David, and even in Hebrews 6, chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, right? So he, he, he made a covenant by his own name, right? I swear by myself that this is going to happen or take place, then we lose lights, I will talk really loud. Even in the New Testament, um, for those of us that belong to Christ, um, there are vows that have been made with our relationship with Him. For instance, we talk about this about communion often in Luke chapter 22 and verse 20. This cup is the new covenant between God and His people in agreement confirmed by the blood of Christ. Right? So it's not that oaths in themselves are wrong or oaths in themselves are sinful. And I really don't think he was dealing with that. He was dealing with a heart issue. It was an integrity issue. It was a character flaw, if you will, in these people because it wasn't the vow itself that was the problem. The problem was that the people had no intention of following through on the promises that they made, and the vow was just basically a scheme to get what they wanted, essentially, was to trick somebody into agreeing with them when they had no intention whatsoever of following through on their side of whatever it is that they were dealing with. They were like almost lawyers going through like fine details of a contract, find, try, trying to find some way to justify legally getting out of it, right? Um, more in modern terms, maybe when you were a kid, when you were dealing with a sibling or dealing with a friend, and, 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 and there was this agreement that was made, and then your friend didn't follow through, and they go, well, we didn't pinky swear, right? Oh, you remember this one? Well, I have my fingers crossed, so, so it didn't count, right? Or even adults... Well, we never shook on it. See, that's kind of what, I mean, those things sound silly, but that's kind of what was going on here. It was a deal that was made. It was, I'm telling you I'm going to do something or speak truth or make this agreement, but I, in my heart of hearts, know that I have zero intention of following through. And so this was really a character issue. And so in verses 34 to 36, Jesus gave them a good reminder that just because they didn't swear by God himself did not mean that they were not accountable to God or to the oath that they were made. In fact, they were very much accountable because the stuff they were swearing by belonged to God. 
He made it, right? And God certainly heard the promises that were made, and furthermore, God expected them to follow through on whatever commitments that they made. So you look at verse 34 to 36. He says, don't swear by heaven, because guess what? That's where God's throne is. When you swear by earth, guess what? That's where God's footstool is. It's kind of an Old Testament um, prophecy about Christ and about God and the heaven and the earth is his footstool. But anyways, hey, but he says, even by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Who do you think that great king's talking about? Jesus, right? He's talking about himself. Um, and he says, don't even say by my head, for you can't even turn one hair white or black. He's like, you don't even own yourself. I even own you, right? It was kind of the idea. What, what people lost sight of was that God owned everything, even the ground they walked on. As Psalm 24 and verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people, guess what? Belong to him. Whether they like it or whether they don't, that's the truth of God. And so these people lost sight of this and, and, and they thought they were being sneaky, they thought they were um, doing things um, in a way that was legally binding, and yet at the same time they were doing it in a way that was complete sin between them and the Lord. See, whether or not they thought they were accountable to their words by swearing on something that wasn't God himself, the fact was that anything they swore by, even if it was a rock by the side of the road, bound them to their word in God's eyes. Why? Because God expects his people to be honest. God expects his people to be people of character that follow through on his word. He expects that we say we're going to do something, that we actually follow through and do that. And furthermore, he goes on in verse 27 there, and he, or 37 there, excuse me, and, and he says, you know, a, a simple yes I will or no I won't is good enough, and anything beyond that he said is from the evil one. So by them making these oaths, these covenants, these whatever with people, knowing they weren't going to follow through, Jesus said that is straight from Satan himself. And that is absolute sin, and you should take no part in deals like that. See, it's not that the oaths or the vows were bad. His point was simply this, that the only oath that a Christian should need, the only oath that a, that a child of God should need, is a simple yes from their lips, I will, or a no, I won't. Because if, if people would just be honest with one another and actually be people that held true to their word and followed through, a yes, I will, or no, I won't should suffice, was kind of the idea. His point was simply that God's people should not need collateral behind their words to get people to believe they are committed to doing the things they said they were going to do, because people should believe Christians simply because they know they're people of character that always follow through on the things they say they're going to do, right? So, and this is so important when we think about the life of a Christian, are we people of character? Are we people of integrity? Are we people that actually follow through and do the commitments that we say that we are going to do? So that's basically what Jesus is talking about here. Now let's bring some kind of application to um, our day. Um, because one thing we should always ask is, what does this have to do with us today, and why is this still important? And to that, I'm going to ask a couple questions. One is, do you think that God still sees us living lives of honesty, um, lives of character, lives of integrity before him. Do you think God sees that as still important today? Absolutely. Or how about this? When it comes to our lives as Christians, do you think that honesty, integrity are traits that are important for God's people to possess when it comes to our witness to the world around us? 
Absolutely. See, one basic application to what Jesus is talking about here, for those people and certainly still for us to this day, is that we are accountable to God for every commitment that we make, and God expects us to follow through on our word. When it came to these people here that in Jesus' day that he was dealing with, um, he was telling them, look, you may, not be, you may be fooling the people around you that you're lying to, but uh, God sees your heart. And, and you're going to have to give an account to God for the commitments that you say. You know, in the book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, Jesus said this, I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word that you speak. Everything that we say, everything that we do, is going to be brought up, if you will, when we stand before the Lord. And see, from even um, a very practical perspective, we need to remember that our words and commitments that are made in this life are a big deal in God's eyes because God takes commitment seriously. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22 says this, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. There's a lot of scriptures like that in, in the Bible. I mean, God values honesty and integrity, and he despises dishonesty and, and people that lie. See, when it comes to our word, we need to be people who are found trustworthy. If we say we're going to do something, we need to follow through. If we commit to doing something, um, I would even go far to say this. We shouldn't just do it. We should do it with excellence. We should give our all. Why? Because of a verse um, like Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 that says, Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And there's another passage that says, whatever we eat or we drink or whatever we do, we need to do it all for the glory of God. So if we make commitments to um, people around us, we make commitments to our workplaces, to our families, to our spouses, to our church, whatever the commitment is, if we say that I am going to do this, then we need to follow through and do this, first and foremost, because God expects us to. And if we commit to doing something and then we don't do it or do it half-heartedly to God, it is sin. And it's something that is wrong on our behalf. Follow through on our words is a big deal to God. Second thing, we are representatives of God and the example we set is important to the mission we've been given. Now, what is our mission as Christians? To what? To love God, to live for Him, to serve Him, and to go tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, that, that's our basic mission as Christians. I mean, according to what Jesus said back in just a few verses back here, um, we, we talked about it a couple weeks ago in the same um, teaching back there in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, well, what, what did God say that his people should be? We're supposed to be lights to the dark world around us, right? We're, we're supposed to um, be living, breathing example of God's grace to the people who are watching us. We're supposed to be um, shining the truth about God and His Son, Jesus Christ, to the watching world. That's our job. That's our mission as God's people. So think about what we represent as Christians. Think about the, the brand we represent. As God's people, we represent Him. And we represent what's written about Him in God's Word. See, what people in this world see from us will give them an impression one way or another of God and the things that God's words say about Him, especially when it comes to this issue of honesty and trustworthiness 
our witness is so, so important. So we think about this in our own lives, right? We think about how committed we are to God and word and in deed and, and, and following through in the things that we say we're going to do. And, and, and even I would even go far, as far as to say, even though it's not really in here what we're talking about today, even about just the way that we live, the things that we do, the attitudes that we have, all these different things. Here's some questions I think we should ask, right? By the way we live out our lives, do people get the impression that God can be trusted? If we are a picture of what they're going to see, by our lives, do they see a God that can be trusted? By our lives, by the, by the, people, by the things they, that they see in us, do people get the impression that the promises of God are real? Do they get the impression that God is a faithful and, and true God? Do they get the impression that, that, that God is a God of His Word? As they look at our lives... Is that the impression that they see? Now, I get we're not perfect. We all have problems. We all have bad weeks and bad days. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about, in general, in our lives. As we're, are we trying to make sure that people see these things? Why are these things so important? Think about this. How do we know what we know about God and the Christian faith? Well, here, right? I mean, there's a lot of claims the Bible makes. Our entire faith as Christians is based on what his Bible says about himself and about our relationships to him. It's all in here. And, and we, at some point in our life, had to make a decision to trust that what God said in here was true, Right? What if the people that were telling you about this, the people in your life that had influence over you, looked nothing like God, were nothing but a bunch of schemers and scammers and took advantage of people and, and lied all the time and never followed through on their commitments that they made, would you view God as a faithful God whose word can be trusted? So let's think about what's at stake for a moment here. Because remember, our job, our mission is to go out there and, and tell people about the God of this Bible about the Jesus that the Bible speaks of, right? So, so think about the things that we believe as Christians that we are trying to get people to believe out there. For instance, the Bible tells us that uh, God created us. We're not just some cosmic accident, right, that God created us. The Bible tells us that God created us for a purpose, to, to be loved by him, to have a relationship with him, right? Um, the Bible tells us that sin's a real thing, that sin broke our relationship with God, and we can't do anything to fix it ourselves. The Bible tells us that uh, instead of leaving us in our sin, God sent a solution in his son, Jesus Christ, by sending him to this earth to ultimately go to a cross, to die for our sins, to be buried, to rise again. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy story to people, right? If you're not part of the church to hearing something like that, you're just like, what? Now, the Bible tells us that we confess our sins to Jesus, asking him to become the, the Savior of our life, to, to come into, and to be our Lord, that he will absolutely do that. The Bible even goes as far to say that once a person is a believer and, and a Christian, that the amazing blessings of God are available to us, such as the peace of God, that God's going to, he promises to care for us and to provide for us and to comfort us, to guide our lives, to give us a purpose to live for. 
that He'll give us joy and, and, and peace in troubled times. That the Bible even tells us that even when we die, we're going to pass from this earth on to the next one. And we're going to live with Him for eternity. And these are some crazy, just crazy claims that the Bible makes, right? That this God that we can't see, this God that we can't hear, that He is actually real and He's actually true, and all these things will actually take place. Now, we believe it, right? Because we, when we went to the cross, we saw the lightning, and God became real to us, and, and we began to experience Him, right? I mean, the longer we're Christians, the greater our faith grows, because we begin to experience God's what? Faithfulness. Because He never lets us down. He, he's always there. He can always be trusted no matter what. But let me ask you this. What if, what if God was as faithful to His promises as most people are in the world to theirs? Ever think about that? Like, what if God backed out on his commitments the way people in the world back out on theirs? What if God took advantage of people the way people take advantage of people? Do you think that it'd be as easy to trust him? Do you think maybe that you would begin to doubt that the promises of God and the commitments that he made to his people are true? Absolutely, we begin to doubt that. So, so you see, th these are the claims the Bible makes. These things are not just benefits of the present. These things are, have, have e eternal stakes in them, right? When it comes to people's salvation and where they're going to spend eternity after this. And if, if, if people are looking at us as pictures of that, do people see through our lives that God is a faithful God that holds true in His promises or do they see God as a God who is unfaithful that's going to let them down? I know this may, be, may seem like a, like a reach to this text, but I really believe it's a, it's a huge application when it comes to our faithfulness as God's people. Again, from the example I set in my life, will people see God as faithful? Will they see God as one who will always follow through in his promises? Or will they see him as one who will eventually let him down. See, if it's true that people get their impression of God by what they see in us, by the way we live, it's so important that we live in a way that makes the claims of God believable. Because it'll affect our witness so immensely. Think about how important this is, say, in the lives of our children as parents. What if as parents that we never kept our word, that we never followed through in our commitments to our children, that we abandoned them, walked out on them, and just left them. How do you think that would affect the child, number one, but what impression of God do you think that would take place in that situation? Because, Father, can I tell you this? You are the first picture of God that your children will see. And if a father walks out on his children and it is proven, it is proven, and, and people that have experienced this will tell you it greatly affects their view of God. Children that have no relationship with their parents, who their parents were always just so busy doing random things and never took the time to, to spend with them, to talk with them, to sit with them, to care for them, to love them, to show affection to them, they have a really, really hard time viewing God that way. It's so important that we commit ourselves totally to our, our children and to our, into our families. Think about how important this is in the life of a church. If we make commitments to the church and don't follow through, how will that affect the community's oppression 
of God. Or even in our workplaces, what kind of a testimony are we setting for Christ in our workplaces um, as, as Christians if we're never at work on time, if we're skipping work, if we're there and we're taking advantage of the time and not doing our jobs. And you know what I'm saying? When we take a job, we're expected to do something, right? And if we're not following through on these commitments, what impression of God and Christ are we setting to the world around us that we're supposed to be the lights to? We're telling them about Christ, who they need, and why would they believe that if they don't see that in our lives? Why would they believe that God is faithful if His people are not? See, if we don't take this seriously, people will never take us seriously. If we don't live like Jesus talking here, we will lose credibility as Christians. And worse than them not taking us seriously, the people we're trying to reach will not take God's Word seriously, and they will not take their need for Christ seriously. I really believe that that's what's at stake with what he's talking about here. But if they see people who set a godly example in their lives, people who follow through on, uh, and are people of their word, people who are honest to deal with and always do their best to fulfill whatever they committed to doing, people who actually live in a way that shows God for who He truly is, how far do you think that would go in people not only taking us seriously but taking the message that we're preaching seriously as well? People need to see Jesus in us before they will believe that they need Him. If they don't see a change in us, if they don't see us as any different than the scoundrel down the road, why would they want what we have? But if we're different, if we're, if we're truly the lights that we're called to be, I really truly believe it will open up doors for us. Now, just a few practical things, I think, just with this, and I'm going to close with a few of these things. So as we think about this endeavor we've been given, right, um, to, to be truthful, to be people of our commitment, people who take commitments seriously. Um, listen, we live in a world where commitments are unavoidable. We have them all over the place, I and mean, we live busy lives that are packed full of things that are pulling us in every direction. Does anybody feel like that? Remember, I mean, some of you are too young to remember this, but remember Stretch Armstrong? That dumb little doll that they would pull in all different directions? Who feels like that sometimes? I mean, we're busy. And there are so many things, so many irons in the fire that we have. And yet at the same time, there are commitments in our life that are needed, right? And, and so with this as our reality, how can we put ourselves in position to be people that actually can follow through on the commitments that we have made? Here's a big one. We need to pray before we commit ourselves to anything. Like seriously, but before we commit ourselves to anything more than we have right now, we should seek the Lord and ask his wisdom. James 1.5 tells us that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and he will give it to them, right? Here's something else we should consider. Before you say yes to anything else, consider the commitments that you already have. Remember that when you say yes to one thing, you're automatically saying no to another. And so you need to make sure that whatever you're saying yes to, you had the time to do. And especially don't say yes to something when it's going to mean that your other commitments are not going to be able to be followed through on. 
And can I tell you something? In our busy society, no matter what we have going on, can I tell you, especially if you're family people, one huge commitment in your life should be your family. Your wife, your husband, your kids, they should take precedence over the commitments elsewhere. Even before them, guess who? We're committed to him. No matter what commitments, we, if, if we're too busy to be in God's word, if we're too busy to be in prayer, if we're too busy to be with God's people, there is a problem. That means we have said yes to other things that are taking precedent over things that are far more important. And so before we say yes to anything else, we need to make sure we, get, we understand, can I still be faithful to my God? Can I be faithful to my family? Can I be faithful to my church? And if I can do those three things, because everything else is secondary, then yes, I will maybe say yes. Another thing is so important, learn the art of saying no. Anybody have trouble with that? Don't, don't, I mean, as, as a Christian and, and people, and I know you guys, I mean, you're just good-hearted people. Isn't it hard to say no? Like when somebody asks you to come and do something, you're like, I don't know, I've got all this stuff going on, but yeah, I'll do it, no problem. And then you're just like, oh, am I going to get this to work? You know, and then you're stressed out and learning hard to say no because there are times in our life where we're too busy to say yes. Here's another one. We need to work to put ourselves in positions that we can say yes. And I think this one is, is really, really important, right? If we have so many irons in a fire that when we're asked to do something else, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back, it may be time that we do some evaluating. We, we need to evaluate the things in our life and say, put them in lists of importance and say, what could go? Because if I am so strung out and busy with all these things that I can't help another believer, another Christian brother or sister in a time of need, if I'm so busy that I don't have time for anybody else, that means there's things in my life that I need to drop so that I can make time to do God's ministry. I think this is true um, even financially, because we make financial commitments sometimes. If we're so strung out with, with, with debt and bills and all these different things that there's nothing left over for when God's people need something, I think that we need to work in our lives to make sure that we can, we can have something like that available to God's people when that um, need comes. The point is, is our credibility as God's people is important, so let's give people around us a right picture of who God is, and through that example, it'll open up doors and help us be the witness to this world that we were called to be. Again, Jesus was talking about oaths and Jews 2,000 years ago, but the principles of what he's talking about still stand true to this day. We have a job to do. We represent him, and we need to represent him well. And especially when it comes to being faithful in our walk with him, being faithful with the people around us, let's do it so we can honor him with our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time and, and just for your word and, and um, even just for this lesson here tonight, Lord God. It, it's just practical in nature and some, something we all need to hear, God, because I think that, uh, that we may be the busiest people in the history of, of the world right now. Uh, we're, we're running in so many different directions with so many different commitments and so many different things. And, and God, it's just uh, it's stressful at times. And Lord, I, I think of every time I, uh, I talk, you know, somebody asks me how I'm doing, or I ask them, I'm oh, busy. <laughs> uh, and God, this is the reality of our lives, Lord. We're all busy. But Father, we, we shouldn't be too busy that we can't be faithful. 
So God, give us the grace to be able to evaluate our lives and to, and to see um, if, we're, if we're in a position that we can be faithful with what we're supposed to be doing. If we need to drop things, God, give us wisdom with that. Um, and when we need to add things, God, I pray you would show that as well. But God, just give us that grace that, uh, that we can be the witnesses for this world that we're supposed to be. Because God, we've been called to be a light. We've been given one job, and it's to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ that he came, that he died for our sins, that we can have a relationship with his Father in heaven. And Lord, I just, I pray, God, that, that we would be a good example